It's a real joy today, <coughs> and over the weekend, to have Ian Williams with us. Ian Williams is on the Executive Council of AOG UK, and he's also our area Southwest Superintendent. So he's here to minister today with us. So I want to... I want to invite Ian to come forward. I've known the Williams families for over 30 years, and uh, they are tremendous family uh, serving the Lord over many years. So, Ian, thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good morning, church. Are you well? Yes. Yes. I'll speak slowly because I have a real West Country accent, and this is the accent of heaven. All right, so when you get to heaven, you'll all be talking like this. This is proper, proper talk. This is really it. What a great opportunity to to be together. Yes, I was trying to uh, reminisce a little bit and reflect the the last time I had the opportunity and the privilege of speaking into into this church and. It goes back a long time. It was before the churches merged, and it was in the, the building in Bank Street, or the old Bank Church, whatever, you know, in, in the city. And uh, it was um, a long time ago. What, what a great difference. It's wonderful to come back after a number of years and just sense something very different. When you turn up at the same place years later and it feels the same, there's a problem. There really is, because I'm looking at some of you, you've changed. Some of you have got less hair than last time. Some of us are a little bit more portly around the waist. Others are a little bit greyer than before. So we've changed. So if we change in the natural, church has to change as well. It has to constantly keep developing and uh, stepping stepping forward. So um, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for leading us in, in worship this morning. That was excellent worship. It really was, and um, I, I'm, I'm going to share something from, from the Word of God. I'm going to, to look into Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, in, in a few moments' time, and uh, it, it wasn't the ministry that I kind of prepared earlier on in the week. I was going to speak from the story of, of David and his mighty men, and I was going to, to look at three characters and, and take some of those characteristics of individuals and begin to kind of say, wouldn't it be great to have a church filled of mighty men and mighty women? And I was going to begin to look at some of those characteristics. And, but as I spent some time with your, your eldership last night and just sat around the table and had a lovely meal, thank you so much for your, your hospitality, uh, I, I was multitasking. I, I was talking, I was eating, I was breathing, I was deciding what dessert to have and all sorts of stuff like this. But at the same time, God was just beginning to share something in my heart to to bring to this house this morning. And uh, it's simply this. It's to turn this house into a home. Okay, that's that's where we're going to go. It will be a little bit of kind of uh, rough notes. If you were able to read my my strange writing, you you would see how how rough it is and how not formatted it is. But I, I want it to flow from the heart more than a kind of a formatted preach this morning. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yes. Have I got your approval? Yes. Then we're okay then. That, that's good. That's good. But before I, I do that, I just want to maybe just share some prophetic words over some people. Is that okay? Yes. Is that all right? Yes. 
Brilliant. The young lady that led us in worship this morning, there is an edge about you which is wonderful. It really is. And I want to encourage you not to be conformed to the pattern that man would try to put you in and not to live within the context of the box that man would try to put you in. But you are bigger than that, far greater than that, and you are to push the boundaries and you are to push the parameters that have been restricted and placed upon you to push them down and live beyond them. There is something raw about you which is wonderful. You have a uniqueness. And I found God say this to me, to encourage you, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Simple sentence, but we sang it this morning in one of the songs you led us. It's going to be okay. Whatever you face, whatever situation you may find yourself in, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay in the context of church. It's going to be okay in the context of work. It's going to be okay in the context of family as well. It's going to be okay. Does that make sense to you? Going to be okay. And I just felt God say this to me, that he was going to give you a new grace and his grace would be sufficient for whatever circumstance you find yourself in. It's going to be okay. All right? Does that make sense? You sure? That's good. We can go for a little bit more then. Okay, come on. I've got something here. Felt this, Terry and Vic, and those on eldership, that God is unlocking the treasure box of this house. But for too long, the treasure box has been shut down with a padlock upon it. And although there was treasure within the box, and we knew it was within the box, we didn't see what was inside the box. But God has stepped in, is stepping in, and he's beginning to take the lock, the padlock, off the treasure box, the treasure chest, to reveal the treasure within. And when the lid is taken off and the hinges are removed, no longer for the box to be closed, you, we, will be fascinated, we'll be overwhelmed with the beauty and the sparkle and the treasure that is within that box. Within this box, there are great treasures. That there are rubies, there are diamonds, there are emeralds, there are sapphires, that, that there are topazes, that there are wonderful stones, wonderful treasures, there's gold, there's silver, there's bronze, there's all sorts of treasures because we're all different. But the treasure within this place is not just for this place, but it's to be displayed for others to enjoy and to benefit from. So the treasure from this house, from this home, is going to spread and bring wealth to other places within this location uh, as well. Does that make, make sense? Brilliant. My, my Portuguese friends, just stand to your feet if you would. I, I'm going to speak a little bit of Portuguese over you. Ronaldo. <laughs> He's a great football player. A great football player. But I, I just felt God say this to me, that you've been through seasons of ups and downs. Seasons where your heart has almost been torn apart and then put back into a, into, into a shape of a heart. But there, there's, the heart is made up like a mosaic heart. It's not, it doesn't appear to be whole, but it's, there's lots of maybe scars and dents and indentations about it. But God sees it complete. And you are to begin to see that heart complete, not as broken, but as complete. And I felt God say this to me, that as you've walked through the fire, many have said you've become burnt. But you've walked through the fire and there's not a singe of burning on your skin or on your person. Because you've walked through with dignity and respect and honour. And God says, well done, good and faithful servants. And because of that, God has formed and fashioned you for a new season. 
And the new season is something exciting, something really great, something which is going to benefit not just you, but benefit this house. You have a voice, you have a heart that needs to be heard and needs to be expressed because there is no smell of smoke upon your bodies at all. Make sense? Fantastic. Just take your, your, your seats one more time. And then I just felt this, that um, we are in a waiting room. Does anybody like waiting rooms? Your hand went up very quick, sir. Went up and then went down again. It, it, it really is. Wait, wait, waiting, waiting rooms. None of us likes to wait. If you're like me, you go to the bank. If you don't bank online... And uh, if you go to the bank, what do you do? You walk in and you look for the shortest queue. You go to the supermarket, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Asda, Tesco's, and there are other shops you can go and shop to also. I'm not promoting any particular shop this morning. But you, you can go to different shops and you, you, can, you look at the till and you begin to say, where is the short, where's the shortest one? And you, you purposely look for the, those shortest queues, don't you? Yeah? We are in a waiting room. We are in a divine waiting room. And I felt God say this to me. It's like a maternity waiting room. There is some new birth coming to this house. Some new birth. But, but ladies, as I look across the room, maybe many of you have had multiple births. And we all know that you have to go through the season of some pain before we have the joy and the benefit of holding the child in your hands. Since I last met you, or met some of you, I've become a granddad. I know I'm too young to be a granddad. But I've become a granddad. A little, little Boaz was born into our household just um, uh, in December of, of last year. But my daughter had an extremely long pregnancy, um, nine months pregnancy, but a, a very long labor of two and a half hours. It was such a long, long time. It really was. But she tells me this. She says, Dad, you will not believe the amount of pain that I had in that two and a half hours but she forgot all the pain the moment she held Boaz in her arms. And I want to encourage you, prophesy over you today, that you may be going through a painful season in life, maybe in your experience, but you're about to give birth to something new. And it will bring you great joy and great excitement into the house. Okay? Is that all right? Okay, open your Bibles, please, to page... to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read a few verses from verse 11 to verse um, 21-ish. Okay? It's the story of the lost son. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share in your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became hungry, and even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, just nudge the person next to you and says, it's time for you to come to your senses. When he came to his senses, he said to himself, in my father's house, even the hired men have food enough to spare. 
Here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father's house and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired hand or a hired man. And then verse 20 changes the the language completely and it says this. So he returned to the home of his father. In the previous few verses it says father's house, but it changes from the house to the home. So he returned to uh, the home of his father and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, quickly bring the finest robe to the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the fatted calf that we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but has now returned to life. He was lost but now he's found. And in the New Living Translation, it says this, so the party began. So the party began. So this morning, I want to just focus for a few moments on what is the difference between a house and a home. Two very different things, different settings. Uh, We all go to houses, but we all have a home. And what I want to encourage us this morning in the context of this local church, is that we we turn not just this into a house, but we turn it into a into a home. In Luke chapter 15, we, we have those that were slaves and servants to the house, but we had sons of the home. Maybe in this room this morning, there are those of us who feel a slave to the house. But God doesn't want you to be a slave to the house. He wants you to be a son and a daughter of the home. Very, very different. Slaves do what they're told. Sons and daughters do it because they want to do it. Because they're part of the fabric of that place. We can go to public houses. I I understand that there's lots of students that are connected to to this church. And I don't know if you've ever been to a student house, but a student house has a strange aroma. It has a unique kind of style of where they hang their clothes. The wardrobes are there, but the clothes go onto the floor. It's amazing how the student house has this different kind of setting and everything. But we're not living in a house. We're wanting to live in a home. A home is a place where one resides. It's a place where one dwells. And it's a place where an individual takes responsibility for his or her own actions. A home is not just a place, but a home is made of people. It's the place where we are establishing ourselves, we're dwelling and we're, we're planted. So I want to speak for a few moments what makes a good home. Because we're building a home here, aren't we, church? You can come with me on this one. We're building a home here, aren't we, church? Yeah? So there are some characteristics that we need to fully understand. Home is where the heart is. Know that saying? You've seen those wonderful signs that you can purchase from all sorts of craft shops. Home is where the heart is. When we begin to, to understand that thought for a few moments, we have to then understand that a man's heart is where his treasure is. 
but also need to fully understand that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we also need to remind ourselves what's recorded in the book of Proverbs, that we are to guard our heart. So I want to encourage us this morning, not just to come to this house, but to make it your home. Allow your heart to dwell here. Allow your heart to be established here. And allow yourselves to be planted here. Let this home be part of your treasure. Take some responsibility for it. I saw this little quote and it really excited me, kind of, um, kind of challenged me a little bit. Home is where the, home is where your Wi-Fi connects automatically. You're not a stranger to it. This little quote also, home is where love resides, memories are created, friends are always welcomed, and laughter never ends. That's a great quote about home. But onto the screen in a few moments' time is going to come a picture. And it simply says this, home is where our story begins. Every one of us in this house this morning, this home this morning, has a story to tell. Whether we've been on the journey for many, many years or whether we're new to this journey, we all have a story to tell and our story starts in our home. It really does. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, the Baptist evangelist, preached to multiple thousands, even approaching millions across the world. He says this, my home is heaven, I'm just traveling through this world. Now, we understand what he means by that, and we fully agree with that, because we're on a pilgrimage, we're on a journey of faith and adventure. But I want to just focus a little bit about this home. How can we make this stronger? How can we make it better? How can we make it more effective? How can we make it more kind of impacting into the community? Because there's a number of shifts that have to take place, and we've all gone through these shifts over the course of the years when we recognize this as home. The first one is this. Then when we recognize home, we're no longer strangers, but we're family. We're not strangers, we're family. We we shift from being unknown to being known. And we shift from being unwelcomed to being welcomed. And we shift from being displaced to being positioned. And we shift from running away from things, but running to things. And we have this, this shift in our hearts and our understanding that we were once rejected, but now we're adopted. That's what makes good homes. And it's a great description of what local church is. Let me just rephrase those again. That we may walk through the front doors of this home as a stranger, but we leave as family. We may be unknown when we come through the doors, but we leave known because people want to know us. We may feel unwelcomed, but there's a sense of warmth from God's Holy Spirit in this place that makes us welcome. We may be displaced, but we're positioned. We may be running away from things, but we're running to God. And even though we all carry a sense of rejection, we need to fully understand that we've been adopted into the home, into the family, into the broader family of Christ Jesus. Does that make sense to anybody? I've got eight points. Each eight points has another eight sub-points to it. So we're, we're, we're going to be here for a, a few months. I'm only joking, Vic. Don't Don't worry. So, so let, let's just think about let's just think about this as a home for a few moments. How can we get the best out of this place? The first one is this: in a home, you're valued. You're valued. Everyone who walks through the doors of this home this morning, you need to hear this. You may not have heard this for a long time. You are valued. 
Nudge the person next to you. We're going to have some interaction this morning. Nudge them next to you and say, you are valued. Look in their eyes. You're valued. You need to hear this, church. You're valued not because you're part of the crowd. You're valued because you're an individual. The Bible talks extensively about how God knows us. Doesn't the psalmist say that we're fearfully and wonderfully made? Even when we were in that hidden place, that dark place, in the womb of our mother, God knew about us. In fact, my Bible tells me this, that he knew about me even before I was conceived. Even before I was a twinkle in my dad's eye, I was, I was known by God. Every day that was written for me was written even before one of those was lived out. You and I are, are valued. L- listen to this. You're valued because of you, not because of what you do. And as a, as a church leader, I, I've been leading a, a local church as well as running and being part of a, a national organization called Assemblies of God. But leading a local church for 22 years in Torquay, and prior to that in painting for 10 years. So for 32 years, I've been a senior point pastor of a local church. And as I've kind of journeyed on that journey, I've discovered this, that there have been occasions when I've loved what the person does more than the person. And that's called abuse. It really is. And I've had to correct myself. And I've had to reposition myself. I've had to go back to the individual and ask for their forgiveness because I want to love the person for who they are, not what they do. Does that make sense this morning? You see, when God made us, he made us as human beings, not human doings. So we need to understand this, that we are loved because we are individual. It's an unconditional love. We're not just a face in the crowd but we're a face that needs to be recognized and seen. We're not just a bottom on the seat. We're not just a commodity. We're not just a number, but we have a name. Every person who walked through the doors this morning, you have a name. And we as family, we as homemakers need to understand the name of the individual, know where they're at, and see them as unique individuals. You are valued. I could go home now, couldn't I? But there's nothing at one point for you to all think about for the next three or four weeks. But the second point, because I'm not coming all this way just for one point. The second one is simply this. In a home, you're celebrated. You're not just, uh, you're not just valued, but you are, you are celebrated. In a home, you are cheered, not jeered. In our home, we have four children. Jackie and I have been married for a long time. We celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary in July. July the 17th, it may be the 18th. But it's one of, the, one of those days, okay? It's the 18th, it's the 18th. We've got four wonderful children. Bethany is 28, and uh, she is a detached youth worker. She's on maternity leave at the moment, but she's a detached youth worker running with, working with runaway children in the city of Exeter. Amazing young lady, great leader. My son Jordan, he's 25, he's getting married on the 17th of June, when you guys are having a barbecue and I'm going to be missing it. But on the 17th of June he gets married and he's a youth worker in secondary schools and he's a great evangelist, he's part of our leadership team in our local church there in Torquay, a phenomenal communicator of the word. I have another daughter called Hannah, she's 21. Hannah's not connected into church at this present time, she's just exploring some things and we're praying about it and we're praying for her. But Hannah's going on on a 
travel to Australia during the month of September for, for 12 months. And uh, she's connected into a family in Melbourne. And she's going to be doing some nannying there. And at the same time, she's discovered this week that the family she's going to attend Hillsong Melbourne. Yes! So my daughter, who doesn't go to church in Torquay, is going to travel all the way to the other side of the world to connect with the family, and she's going to go to church, and she's going to get born again. God's got a wonderful plan, he really has. Am I fretting by it? No, I'm not fretting, God's in control. I have another son called Ruben, he's, tw- he's 18, and he's a, an A-star student, he's off to university to study philosophy and maths. Uh, but he's deferred it for one year, and he's just this week been accepted to become part of the academy with Tim Hughes at Worship Central. So he's going to become part of their, their setup for, for 12 months. But family, and I've, we, we sit with them over, over lunch on a Sunday. Every Sunday we gather together as a family, and we say this as a family. We laugh with each other, we don't laugh at each other. So, so when, we, when we're building home, when we're building local church as a home, we, we celebrate one another, we we cheer each other on and we don't laugh at, but we laugh with. Part of the celebrating is we celebrate our individuality. We, we celebrate our quirkiness. <laughs> we celebrate our, our uniquenesses. We, we celebrate everything we are because God has created us. We celebrate ourselves in high definition. We don't want black and white celebration. We want high definition celebration. We celebrate the diversity of who God has made us. I am so grateful that God only created one Ian Derrick Williams. Um, If my wife was here, she'd be standing on the chair now saying, Amen. Amen. But when we build homes, we celebrate one another. Come on. We need to start to celebrate one another. Celebrate each other's achievements, accomplishments. We're not creating clones, but we're wanting to release the personality and the individuality of everyone in this place. So we value one another, and we celebrate one another. The third point is simply this. When we build quality home, it's a place where we believe for the best for each other. I believe for the best for this house. Do you? Where we begin to to look for the good in everyone. Where we want you to accomplish and to achieve. I I want you to thrive in life. I want you to thrive in your education. I I want you to thrive in your social arena. I I want you to thrive in the hospital where you're working or the the building site where you're working or the accountancy firm where you're working. I I want you to thrive on the computer system that you're formulating and you're putting together. I want you to thrive in your retirement. This is where we're beginning to see the best and believe for the best in everyone. You see, when we begin to believe for the best in ourselves and each other, we create a legacy, we begin to build a heritage, we are beginning to create a lineage, and we're beginning to create inheritance. And we want everybody to walk and talk and live in the favour and the blessing of God. When we believe for the best, we begin to champion one another. Come on, let's begin to champion one another. Begin to speak faith and life into people. The fourth one is this, that when we begin to really build and create a home, a home is a place where we can establish our identity and our security. It's the kind of place where you can really discover who you are. 
Jack, Jackie and I, over the course of the 30 years of being together and the, the 28 years of having children, we just had a couple of years on our own and then the kids became part of the household. But part of, part of our responsibility as mum and dad is to create an environment where they can identify who they are, discover who they are, work through some of those things. And, and, and local church needs to be like that. It's a place where we establish our identities and our securities. It needs to become a safe place. A safe place where where we can fail and we can make mistakes, but in the mix of all of those failures and mistakes, we're, we're not condemned and we're not criticised. When, when we're building a home, even though some of my children now are buying their own properties and they're beginning to move out, thank you, Jesus. Oh, did that come out loud? That was an inner thought. That shouldn't have come out loud. But they're, they're beginning to they're beginning to find their own homes now. In the storms of their life. Guess where they turn up? They come home. I'm 52. I know I only look maybe a bit younger than that. But I'm 52 and my parents are in their 80s now. And even in those times, those seasons when Jackie and I are confronted with stuff and we're having to push through maybe on marriage issues or we're having to push through on family issues or we're pushing through on church stuff. And I don't know where to go. Guess where I go? I go home. And I sit in the comfort of, of my parents' house in their lovely home and we talk stuff through. We all have storms, don't we? If you haven't got a storm, you may be about to enter into a storm. Not prophesying that, but that might just be happening. But we all have storms, but we all need to have that place where we can go and find a safe haven and it's called home. Part of the place where I go in my storms is I go to the home. It's called church. When I come to my extended family, my extended family help me through the storms of, of life. You see, when we begin to identify our, establish our identity and our security, we, we discover our, our gifts. We then begin to develop those gifts and we then begin to deploy those gifts. We begin to identify values, talents, and potential. Terry, in his uh, convening this morning, he, he talked about potential, and, and he talked about how God can use us. In one of his little throwaway phrases that this morning. I, I want to encourage us in this house this morning, in this home this morning, that you can discover a God-given gift. As the Holy Spirit swoops in and begins to lift us, as, as our worship leader was talking this morning, as the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to lift us and elevate us to a position where we discover God has given me this gift. Every one of us in this room, God has given you a talent, God's given you a gift, God's given you an ability that when it's invested into the home will be fruitful, productive and effective. That's the fourth point. The fifth one is this. In every home... It's a place where we store up lifetime memories. Begin to think about some of those memories that you've got from your childhood, from your home life. I would imagine in, in this place that there would be some mixed memories. Some good memories and not, some not so good memories. We all go through stuff. But we have a God that helps us through and helps us overcome and helps us to find some healing. But it's a place where we store up lifetime memories. As a dad, one of my 
my drives is that I create some great memories for my children. That's why we do holidays together. Can't get rid of them. They still want to come on holiday with Jackie and I. Firstly, they came because we were paying. And then I said, if you're going to continue this over the course of the next few years, you now have to begin to pay for yourself. And they said, that, that's okay, Dad. We'll, we'll pay for ourselves. My ultimate goal, don't tell them this, is this, that they pay for me. <laughs> and Jackie, obviously. But about creating memories. And we may go to different parts of this country or different parts of the world, and we may sit around meal tables and do all sorts of adventures. And then when we sit down and we say, talk about some of the memories of the holiday, it's not the swimming in this pool, and it's not the skydiving here. Not that we've ever done skydiving. It's not the rock climbing. It's not this adventure or that adventure. Their memories, their fondest memories, were the moments we sat down and drank coffee together. When we had the largest marshmallow, and we could see, even at the age of 52, who could put the most marshmallows into their mouth. And Dad keeps winning that one every time we do it. It's about creating memories. We as a local home here need to be creating memories. Great memories. I remember giving my life to Jesus in a small Sunday school class in a little town called Penryn, just on the outskirts of Falmouth, down there on the tip of Cornwall. I was five. Raised my hand. When I, when I think of those moments of, of those, that encounter with Jesus in that Sunday school class, it's a great memory. It creates a dot for me. I then think about the time we moved from the age of 13 and we moved to, to Devon. We went on, we became missionaries from Cornwall to Devon. And we, be, we started to reside in Devon. My dad took on a local church there in, in, in Paynton. Our very first Sunday, there were 13 of us and that included the four of us as a family. This morning, out of those two churches that we now have, our Paynton church, There'll be 180 folk gathered there in the Torquay church that I pastor and lead. There'll be 250 people gathered together. M- memories, just dots. I-, I recall the time when, when, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a, in a church in Birmingham called Hockley Pentecostal Church, led by two phenomenal ladies who, who, who were well advanced in, in years, but they were ahead of their time. That They really were getting filled with the Holy Spirit in, in, that, in that place. Dancing for the very first time in worship. It was another dot. As journeying through, through time, then creating different moments and kind of histories and memories, just dots. And, and now as I begin to reflect upon some of those moments, those experiences, and begin to join the dots up, the first dot, the second dot, the third, the fourth, the fifth, all of a sudden there's a, there's a picture that comes and begins to formulate it in front of me. Guys, we, as local church, building a, a home here, we need to create and store lifetime memories. Happy, sad memories, adventures, smiles, putting smiles on our faces, filled with fun and laughter. You see, we need to understand this, that we all have pictures of our past. And the best thing about pictures, or one of the qualities of picture is simply this, that when we look at the pictures of our past, there are some people that are no longer with us because they've passed on or they've moved out of our lives. But we still have the memory of that moment. Let's create some great moments as home, as we build local church and create some great memories. All of us have memories that are connected to people. 
We all have memories that are connected to songs. We all have memories that are connected to significant moments in time. If I was to say to some, where were you in 1966 when England won the World Cup, you'd remember instantly where you were. Some of you weren't even created then. Or, or where were you the day that uh, man first walked onto the moon? Some of you would remember those, those days. But we all have places and moments that create memories. Let's build a home that creates great memories. The sixth one. Every good home is a place where we learn how to love and to forgive. Are you with me or are you going to sleep? We learn to love and we learn to forgive. Jesus himself hanging there on the cross, nailed to the cross, taking upon his own body our sicknesses and our sins. He shouted out with that deep voice, Father, forgive them. What is it to love somebody and to forgive somebody? It means that we hold no grudges against them. We're non-judgmental. We're not condemning. And we are looking and we look for reconciliation. I I want to challenge us this morning. It's simply this. Don't live with an unforgiving heart. Don't allow your heart to become hardened. Don't allow your heart to be infested with unforgiveness. Because eventually your heart will become toxic. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the overflow of the heart, the issues of life flow from it. Not condemning and not condemned. The seventh one is simply this. When we're building a good home, it's a place where you and I can be ourselves. We we were at um, Terry and Judy's house last night and... I, I was on good behaviour. I wasn't maybe as relaxed as I would be in my own home because it wasn't my own home. So I, I was there, I was relaxed, but I, I was there in a sense as, as Ian Williams, area leader, friend to the house. When I, when I go home later on tonight via Southampton, via the Isle of Wight, via wherever else I'm going, When I I get home, I can be myself. If I I was truly at home last night, I'd be wearing my shorts. And I would have not had my shoes on, but I would have taken my shoes off and I would have kind of of sat there a little bit more kind of relaxed and everything. But I couldn't because it wasn't my, my home. When we're building home, we're allowed to be ourselves. We can be honest. We can be transparent and we can be the real you. We can show our moments of vulnerability because in those moments of vulnerability, I know that those are part of my home will love me despite my vulnerability. With even with all my flaws, my quirkinesses and all my OCD issues and all of those other things that I carry within my being, I know my family will love me because it's home. I can sit there in my shorts and my vest and my t-shirts. I can have good hair days and bad hair days. You guys have forgotten what that is, haven't you? I can have good days and bad days. But because I'm home, my family still love me. And when we're building home as a local church, we, we need to be ourselves. We don't come in and put on a performance. 
We, we don't come and try to say the, the right terminology, the right language, and putting the, the amens and the hallelujahs in what we think is the right place. We don't have to, to put our hands up in the, the moments when we think we've got to put our hands up. We can be ourselves because home means we can be real. We can be authentic and we can be relaxed. You can have your bad hair days in church, ladies and gentlemen. In my home, my family love me for who I am and my church because they love me because of who I am. But they're also looking for the new me. That they, they pray for my transformation. They pray, pray for my, my next moment, that the person I'm developing into. And we need to do that as local church. The eighth one and the final one. Is this okay? Is this helping anybody this morning? Yeah? The, the, the last one is simply this. Home needs to be the place where we experience the kingdom of God in action. Let me repeat that slowly. Home is the place where we need to experience the kingdom of God in action. I'm talking about our natural homes and I'm talking about our spiritual home. When we walk through these doors, anything can happen. When we walk through these doors, there's a, an expectation, an anticipation that we carry within our hearts that God's going to do something. The, the church was birthed in Acts chapter 1 and 2. It talks about, and suddenly there was a sound. And the room was filled with tongues of fire. And the tongues of fire rested upon those individuals in that room. And they began to speak with this heavenly language. They began to speak it in tongues. It was a, a suddenly. Guys, I, I, I want to challenge us this morning. When was the last time we had a suddenly happen in the life of our local church. We, we need to see a, a manifestation of, of God's Holy Spirit swooping in, lifting us up and elevating us to the place where he wants us to, to, to be. We, it needs to be the place where, where scripture becomes truth because we recognize this, that truth sets us free. We, we need to understand that the, the home is the place where our, our faith becomes the reality. We begin to apply the precepts and the principles, the insights to living. A principle is a clearly marked statement. The Bible is filled with clearly marked statements where it has been written. And we can begin to kind of say, God, I've read it in your Bible. I've read it in the Word. I've read it in the inspired Word of God. Now I want to begin to see it happening, outpouring in my home. Principles are those general guidelines that require discernment and maturity to grasp hold of them. They're truths that set us free. Our home needs to be a place where the kingdom of God is evident. Not something we just sing about, not something that we just read about, but evident, tangible. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he says this, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. This is the kind of prayer that we need to be praying for our home. This home, let your kingdom come, let your will be, be done. So home, it didn't go on the screen, it's up there now, home is where our story begins. Home, at quarter to twelve on this lovely April, sunny, kind of spring, summerish kind of morning, home is where we allow our dreams to be released. Not just allow our dreams to be released, but our dreams then become 
a reality. Home is the starting point for every great adventure. Why? Because there's no place like home. No place like home. And we as homemakers, we as individuals who recognize this as our home, need to begin to invest into the home. Part, part of my, my role is that I'm, I'm on the road for Assemblies of God three days a week. and So, so for maybe two nights every week, I'm, I'm kind of shacked up in a Premier Inn or a Best Western. Or I have the opportunity to share wonderful hospitality in homes of, of pastors and, and leaders. When I'm in a Premier Inn or a travel lodge or something like that, I, I get up in the morning and I get myself ready. And then I look at the bed and I think, I don't need to make you. I, I go into the bathroom and maybe on the bathroom there is a towel that has fallen off the hook or fallen off the towel rail. And I look at the towel and I say, I don't need to pick you up. Because I know it's not my home. I, I, I do make the bed and I, and I, I do pick up the towel, but there, I don't have to because there's somebody who will come in because of the surcharge that I've paid. They will do it on my behalf. But when I'm home, when I get out of bed in the morning and I'm the last out of the bed in the morning, if I don't make the bed, guess what? Jackie doesn't talk to me. She shouts at me. If I go to the bathroom and I leave the sink filled with those that the debris of maybe my shave or, or the, the debris of toothpaste, you know, the, the trickles of the toothpaste, or, or maybe there's one or two other things that have been left. If I don't personally clean it, Jackie says, do you think this is a hotel? It's not a hotel, this is a home. Take ownership, take responsibility and contribute to it. We can treat church like a hotel. We can come, we can go, we can be waited on hand and foot and we can walk away saying, that was good. Or we can treat home, treat church as a home and begin to take responsibility and ownership and contribute to it. It takes more than one person to build a home. And this morning, I trust I've encouraged you, challenged you, and just, come on, we can do this. We can build a great home in this place that will impact a community and beyond. Amen.